Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a difference between the notion of sin and the notion of crime. Nowhere is this more apparent than in the institution of the Catholic Church. My author today explores that distinction in the appropriately titled novel Crimes of the Father, a riff on the biblical sins of the fathers. And he is an author with some heft and weight in matters literary and clerical. It is Tom Keneally. So, Tom, welcome back to 3CR. How are you? Now, the novel has a very simple plot line. Father Doherty returns. He's been in Canada, having been virtually sent to Coventry for his outspoken views and prohibited from preaching in Sydney. Now, this immediately raises all sorts of concerns. I mean, the control of the priesthood. What what autonomy do priests have? Well, they don't have a lot. And in my experience, a lot of uh, people uh, that I've known who were um, radical theologians, not drastically radical, very much interested in social justice, which is a good way of getting into trouble with most bishops. Um, they do get into trouble, and indeed Doherty's history is based on a friend of mine who came back from India, where he'd been heavily influenced as a priest who was supposed to convert Hindus, heavily influenced by Hinduism and by Gandhiism. And he was a protester uh, during the Vietnam War. He got ordinary parish people on the streets protesting against Vietnam, protesting apartheid, the famous Springbok tour of Australia. Uh, He was protesting about that, even though his brother was the Wallabies coach. And I never met a man who had less pathology in his protests. You know, when we protest, we are in part getting even with our parents but uh, but there was no pathology no neurosis in his protest and one day he was called to the archdiocese and told that he could no longer function as a priest in the archdiocese of sydney and he went to uh, New Jersey, uh, to his order's house in New, New Jersey, Jersey, where he had a wonderful career for the rest of his life. Well, you've got Father Doherty here, who's now a university-tenured psychologist who's returned to Sydney to speak on the issue of celibacy and its emotional impact. And naturally enough, the whole spectre of pedophilia is generated by the mention of celibacy, but it isn't that simple. Our priests will be under suspicion for crimes they've had no parts in and will be making restitutions into which they've been allowed no input from their bishops. So in many ways, priests have been disenfranchised by the sort of institutional control that's taken place. Uh, yes, the church is very totalitarian. I've no, I knew a priest in Redfern 
uh, who uh, turned East Presbytery over to the Redfern Aboriginals. He was His name was Ted Kennedy. He was one of the founders of the Aboriginal Legal Service and the Aboriginal uh, Medical Service. And the Archbishop of Sydney, a succession of them, disliked him extremely because, I mean, you can't have blokes actually being... Uh, identifying so openly with social causes. And uh, the uh, I've always been fascinated, a person who fluctuates between uh, being spiritual in an Aboriginal way uh, about landscape uh, and total atheism, uh, I've always been fascinated by men I know and know to be fully paid up human beings who've stayed in there, who are functioning, who are having a viable life, but are subject to this terrible totalitarian institution. Well, yes, you've got a division there between the altruistic and the pastoral and the institutional. Mm, It's it's a a problem that you sort of bring out in this novel um, with the Catholic Church. But the weight of this story, then, is the encounters Doherty has with former parishioners and members of the public. And this allows you to explore the problems within the institution that go beyond celibacy. So we start with uh, Sarah Fagan, who's driving the taxi that picks Doherty up from the airport. And she is one angry individual. Yes, she's a former nun who was abused in childhood, and she's very... She vents uh, all her fury upon Doherty, and he weathers that storm and gets to know her. But there's also another problem here, because Sarah has used the church. She's become a nun. She's been abused as a child. She's become a nun. But she's used the institution in some ways to hide from the problems within her own family, an abusive father and a dysfunctional situation. Mm. So the church in some ways is providing an escape for these sorts of people? Yes, uh, we came across the, uh, and have come across in the last 25 years, all the cases of priests who were abusers, who were abused themselves. And uh, the church offered an absolute state of transcendence above anything that happened to you when you were a child, any fallibility, any flaw, you know, you became this uh, figure beyond reproach, a nun, and therefore you redeemed the abuse that had been visited But it meant that you then couldn't necessarily address the abuse that had occurred to you. That's that's right. There was an, uh, an attempt to transcend it and make it irrelevant in... Sarah's case, but the relevance of it, of what happened to her as a child, as a young teenager, catches up with her in the the book. The psychological impact is bound to get you in the end. There's uh, his uncle, there's Doherty's uncle, Tim, who gives him some sage advice about using his own marriage, uh, by using his own marriage as an example. You fall for a wholesome girl like Glenda and you're attracted by the wholesomeness 
but by something else too, by something demonic. And you don't have to be told what it is. So you, you take the amiable creature as your partner and you make things so hard for her without even trying, just by being a bloke, that you bring misery she's never known before in her life. And all along she has a subtle hunger for something a man can't give her, something bigger and broader than we're designed for. And that brings misery as well. This happens in every marriage, in every marriage, believe me. So it's a strange business, and I don't want, I don't have much to say to elucidate it, and I'm damn sure no priest has. But the secret is that the priest should know that. He should, not, he should know not to pontificate. Well, you've got a couple of issues here, like the power of sexuality that's yes. coming out, that is being repressed. Oh, yes, indeed, and... Uh uh, it, it, one thing that I see with priests I was in the seminary with who uh, then later left, they became ordained. I never became ordained. They're good left-wing social justice men and they uh, uh, end up leaving. And it's not as simple as uh, celibacy. It is also the fact that the life of the priest is so lonely. He's subject to such heavy authority. Uh, he He's living in a kind of inhuman life. So inevitably, the lack of sexuality begins to take its toll. But you also need to address the human condition. And that's not just the sex. That's the uh, interchange between people as well. And without being a participant, you can't ever really know what others are going through. Absolutely, yes. Uh, that's a rather dismal uh, version of marriage that Uncle Tim gives him, but it is true. We all treat the people we love abysmally. We're all guilty at some time of our life <laughs> of... of uh, Doing, of doing that, and that uh, contrast between love and savagery is uh, a, a, a great uh, proposition to explore in a novel. Well, to explore in a novel, but then it poses a question for the priest, because, uh, or any priest, because when you do hurt somebody else, you know what it's like. You, uh, that's part of the human condition, part of the forgiveness, part of the sacrifice, all of those sorts of things. And the priest is removed from that. Yes, he has no idea uh, of that. He, he just knows that he's given up uh, contact and given up sexuality. And so in Catholicism, you have this extraordinary concentration in the Catholicism of my youth and childhood, extraordinary concentration on sins of the flesh, on sex, on uh, and heterosexuality becomes the great enemy of the spirit. You know, well, if you grow up like that, being told that, and if you subscribe to it, then your psychosexual development is going to be retarded. Yeah, and hampered. Well, this brings me to Maureen Breslin, another character you have in the novel. And not only was there an attraction there with Doherty, and Doherty has had to address this in the past, but through Maureen, we bring up the role of women in the church. At the time, I was reading some of those groundbreaking feminist authors, authors who took our world by storm, including the furious young Melbourne woman, Jermaine Greer. 
The female eunuch, two years after Humana Vitae, changed the perception we had of ourselves. Warts and all, fury and all, it changed the argument. It created a space in which we could speak. Like all revolutionaries, these women tended to speak with fury. The female eunuch was the anti-encyclical. Pope Germain put a secular spin on our opposition to Humana Vitae. Now, just briefly, Humana Vitae for the listener? Well, Humana Vitae was the 1968 encyclical uh, on, on which uh, I and my wife and other residual Catholics were waiting. We believed that the Pope would do the sensible thing and permit birth control. But no, he got us all back in the sexual chorale by telling us birth control was out, unless it was the rhythm method, the taking of basal temperatures at moments of passion. Sort of takes the fun fun out of the moment. Yeah, Yeah. well, Romeo and Juliet never did that. Eloise and Abelard never did that. I don't think Napoleon and Josephine had. But here we go. There's Maureen waiting. There is the community waiting. This... A cultural ingrained feeling that um, they had to accept or uh, take direction Mm. from the institution. And I don't know how much we would do that today. No. In fact, Maureen says of her, uh, of the 1960s, 70s, that she would find it hard to explain to her own daughter how dominant the institution uh, was, how inexplicable its power over young feminist women was. But it's a cultural force in many ways. It's what you're brought up with, it's ingrained Mm -hmm. in you. And so it's very hard then to deny. Indeed. I, I, I find this one of the hardest things, being having Irish grandparents... Uh, and my wife Judy comes from the same background and has Irish convicts, so she's she's nobility. But you think of the persecution of the Irish in the eighteenth and nineteenth century. You see a mass stone. Maureen sees a mass stone in Donegal. This is a place in the days when the mass was prescribed. It was recited by a priest on the run who believed in justice and had very little connection to the sort of pampered um, fat cat prelates we see these days. And he would say mass illegally in the countryside for these people who were ungraced with any human rights, deprived of land and deprived of education. If you see a place like that, you think, gee, it all happened and it happened to my people. And so you can't just toss all that out, all that tribalism. And those priests represented the people, their passions, their need for spiritual direction as well. And yet times change. And this is what the institution, I think, is having difficulty reconciling itself with um, because you've got another case there of Matt Cosgrove, who's an alcoholic, who's actually looking at the church to give him the answer, which it can't do. You bastards, he went on. You raised us to believe that the sacraments are the cure for human life, that we can solve anything through them. But it's all bullshit, isn't it? He's frustrated because it can't give him an answer. It can't give him an answer. And one of the tragedies was with these abusive priests that the church said, well, just go to the sacraments and they'll cure you, you know. Go to confession, communion, meditate for a week in silence and then you'll come out a new man and the Blessed Virgin and Christ will prevent you from ever doing it again. Well, 
we know how well that worked. Well, this, but, uh, this brings us then uh, to Father Shannon, and this is the more insidious aspect of your novel. Uh, curiously enough, this is a man whose skills at organising and managing a diocese, including its financial aspects, has been well appreciated. Um, not that I'm suggesting anything. It made him almost indispensable, but it was Shannon who abused Sarah. Do you feel there has been a special divine kind of friendship between us? That we are drawn close in a spiritual unity, perhaps like St Francis of Assisi and St Clare? The connection between us has a holiness to it. Do you sense that too, Sarah? I mean, this would be called grooming of it is. Uh, it is grooming, and that discourse is based on discourses that have taken place in the past. Uh, uh, there, there are many recorded cases. Uh, sometimes the grooming might occur in the confessional. Many of the victims uh, mention that issues about sexuality were were raised with them when they were 11, 12, of which they were totally ignorant. It was the first time they'd heard mm. such things were possible because they were prepubescent and then the priest says I think you have special needs why don't you come to the presbytery and uh, uh, the 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 abuse of priest to him the sacrament of confession was sadly uh, a grooming opportunity it's very rare that God allows a friendship like ours now I don't want to excuse it but in some ways it's understandable. We all do things that are wrong and then we find ways of justifying it. Mm -hmm. And so, but this is a particularly insidious form of justification because it's using the spiritual in some ways to overcome a, a weakness or to, to justify. To justify a predatory behaviour, yes. Uh. And uh, I... I was helped in the writing of this book by a number of people, but one of them was a woman in New South Wales who's prosecuted a number of these cases. Uh, so uh, the the cases in the book are all based on cases that occurred either here or in the US or Canada. Or but then you put in a killer blow because you have this, this grooming taking place, but... Father Shannon finds uh, a sort of outlet. It was when a boy he did not know approached him in the confessional and mentioned Father Guest, curate of a neighbouring parish, and raised the question of what Father Guest had done to him, that Father Leo Shannon saw a remarkable and further confessional possibility. What you have is the institution forgiving itself or a mechanism. Yes. So the grooming is one level of abuse, mm -hmm. but then the institution has a mechanism for getting through that abuse. And that is almost, uh, can I say it, even more insidious? It's, it's frightening. It's uh, sickening. It is. It, 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 the, the problem is certainly that this happened in the first place, but the perhaps maybe even greater problem was the fact that the institutional church itself, the leaders of the church, the senior men in the church protected uh, the perpetrators and moved them on and uh, made life easy f 
for them, all the while telling the rest of us that uh, we'd go to hell if we miss mass or if we look uh, at uh, the classic Irish Catholic case, if you look at the um, reflection of a girl's bloomers in her patent leather shoes, you go to hell. <laughs> and uh, no, no forgiveness for us. Well, this is yes. This brings us to the notion of, of pastoral care, which I'll come to. But all of this is then set against the backdrop of a case brought against the church by. Dr. Devitt, who was abused, and one of those involved in the negotiations is Shannon. Yes, indeed. So it it means, really, uh, justice is being stymied because at every level it's being uh, controlled or Mm -hmm. subdued or or kept quiet, Mm. and and it's pervasive all the way through the institution. And uh, you may notice that... uh, the Cardinal Archbishop has, I give him a weakness that he can't believe it of a friend, that a friend would do this. But not believing, as the evidence mounts, mm. is another flaw in what happened within the institution. Well, this gets us then to that question of the pastoral, because what you've got is the church hiding behind the secular law. Um, so you can't sue the church, it's all in a trust, yeah. and yet the role of the church is pastoral. Absolutely, and uh, my friend, I wrote a piece for the New Yorker on the crisis in the church in 2002. They asked me because I was a former, a ruined, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tight priest, and uh, I, I spoke to my friend in America about uh, this crisis and he said this was the man who'd been tossed out of Sydney for being too radical he said unless we deal with this problem according to our better angels instead of according to our better law advice then ultimately the civil authorities will make us attend to it but in hiding behind the civil authorities, the church in the Catholic Church is giving themselves over to the civil authorities, and you use that quite nicely at the end, which we won't sort of mention, the reader will have to find for themselves. Um, so they've they've given themselves over, the Catholic Church has given themselves over to the civil authority, well, a civil mask, uh, or legal Yes, mask, to legal process, yes. To avoid, in some ways, uh, having the hell suit to, out of them. To have to, f- to fight off um, uh, other cases. I found it quite shocking, you know, that in New South Wales we had a case where the church knew that a man had been named Ellis, had been abused, and because he wouldn't sign a confidentiality agreement and objected to other aspects of the settlement. He took a civil case seeking the right to sue the church and to sue uh, Cardinal Pell. The church fought it with every resource at their disposal. Has Has the church forsaken its pastoral role? Well, I'm afraid when I was a seminarian, I saw that when it came to a choice between social justice for employees of the church, if you can call seminarians and priests employees, uh, when it came to a choice between them and hanging on to the real estate, the seminarians and the priests 
and the laity missed out. And so in an attempt to protect the treasure of the church from the just claim of the victims, the bishops and archbishops reached for legal devices instead of to their better for their better those angels. better angels that Pat Connor talked about in 2002. Well, let's take this one step further, if I may. Uh, we've got uh, some directions that have been given of late on notions of cremation and the role of women. Oh, it are makes the, you weep. <laughs> are the better angels apparent there or not? I, I, they, they, don't they have enough? problems without coming up with a ridiculous document that the tooth fairy won't be able to find our remains if we cremate and scatter at the second coming. They've got bigger issues to deal with. Mind you, the press do concentrate on their more eccentric statements. However, they certainly uh, play up to what the press expects. But it, it speaks to the way the church operates, though, that it feels the need to give direction yes. rather than pastoral comfort. This is the interesting thing. What we found with my wife and I when we were young, uh, well, trying to hang on, uh, we found that um, Pat Connor introduced the idea of individual conscience. Now, According to the big-time prelates of this earth, your individual conscience comes to you shipped to Australia along with the encyclicals. You don't decide what it is. Uh, and in, indeed, Maureen meets Frank for the first time in the confessional and he advises her to follow her conscience on birth control. And she says, Father... I'm not a Protestant. Now, that would have been a credible reply to for a young woman, yes. educated, feminist by impulse at that stage of history. And uh, these guys are still trying to impose the conscience institutionally and in a totalitarian way from above. So they haven't really... Or have they changed? Can they change? Uh, can the institution get away from this form of control? Well, after the brief sunshine of the reign of a bloke in the 60s called John the Twenty-Third, who said, follow your own conscience and engage with the world. The world is not the enemy. He died and after that, a succession of popes were devoted to getting us back in the corral and getting us back under authority. And that birth control encyclical, Humanae Vitae, which forbade any form of birth control but the rhythm and urged scientists to concentrate on advancing the rhythm method. That was a big crisis for our generation and uh, suddenly people did find they had an individual conscience and a lot of them said no. Well, basically, yes. They made practical decisions. I mean, Maureen had to go on the pill because she was suffering from postnatal depression. It seemed to be mm. a logical, practical way of managing her own personal situation. And, and Frank says to her, you know best mm. what will lead to the survival of your soul. Now, telling a woman that is still... There are still blokes in Rome to whom such a sentiment... And some of them, some of them have an association with Melbourne. Blokes in Rome who would 
not countenance people in the curia. And this is the problem. They've put that sort of bloke at the head of the church. There is a carapace of right-wing bishops worldwide across the entire church. And uh, underneath it, under that totalitarian ice, deep down in the water, one encounters the occasional benign swimming creature, the nun who visits uh, people in detention centres, the priest who turns his presbytery over to the Aboriginal legal service, etc. But then you get those that talk about trucking companies, which gets a reference in your book. I just wanted to get that one in because, Tom, I'm afraid we're going to have to conclude the interview. We could keep talking like this. I love the cover, by the way, uh, a, sh- a Priest in Shadow. But the book is Crimes of the Father, the author, Tom Keneally, and Random House Publication. Mm-hmm. Tom, thank you very much for coming in today. Well, always a pleasure.